Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your astrological forecast for the week of January 6th through January 12th. Um, let me start with saying that this is probably one of the most jam-packed uh, astrological weeks of the entire year um, and is going to be setting the tone for the weeks, months, and possibly years to come. Uh, there is a lot of stuff to get to. I know that sometimes I say that in these videos, but um, this one is extra special uh, with, with aspects that are important and omens and happenings and whatnot. Um, so I'll do my best to get to everything, um, but there is a lot of ground to cover. Uh, just a little summary here. Um, the, bigger, the biggest things that we're experiencing this week are the full moon lunar eclipse, um, which happens generally once every six months or so. Uh, this is a really big one where it's opposing um, both Mercury, Saturn, and Pluto, um, and Jupiter by sign, but not as close of an aspect. Uh, the big thing that people have been talking about for many, many months now is the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that's going to perfect on Sunday the 12th. Uh, we have Uranus going direct on Sunday the 12th as well. Um, as well as uh, Mercury, Kazemi with the Sun this week. We've got a couple aspects with the Sun and Mercury to Neptune. Not as, not as, as big of a deal as some of these other ones, but still something to keep your eye on. Um, yeah, and Mercury is going to be conjoining both Saturn and Pluto uh, again on Sunday. So uh, this is, there's a lot, like I said, a lot to unpack. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday, kind of after hearing... Uh, some of the happenings in the news on Friday, or I guess Thursday night into Friday, and trying to process all of those things. Um, I'm, of course, referring to the uh, assassination of an Iranian um, general uh, by, by America and the United States, um, supposedly without congressional approval, and, and some of the things that may have been, uh, the feelings that may have been sparked from that and um, you know packed along with that was a uh, a possibility of um, Republican Congress and Senate crafting articles to try to um, overturn Roe versus Wade uh, and then on top of that just you know seeing all the things that are going on with Australia basically with two-thirds of it on fire um, yeah, so not a not a super happy way to begin the weekly forecast, but I think that what I want to start out by saying is that um, I see a lot of astrologers in the field and a lot of people who work with spiritual practices and things like that, um, focusing solely on the positive things and positive thinking and things of that nature. Um, I've seen a lot of prayers for, for rain, um, things like that. And, you know, a lot of talk about what you put your mind to, you will attract and things of those nature. And I don't think any of that is bad or, or even necessarily wrong. Um, but one of the things that I, I think I want to make clear with this video in particular, and this is the Saturn Pluto conjunction, this is Saturn speaking, this is Saturday and, you know, it, it's, um, have very, very Saturnian thoughts about it is, you know, we are part of these grander cycles that are about expansion and decay. 
the dark and the light, the good and the bad, and they are constantly feeding into one another. And if we ignore some of the more challenging things in our realities, and remember, Saturn is the ultimate reality check. It's necessity. It's the things that we may not like, but we have to get, come to terms with. Um, I think we're doing ourselves a giant disservice. And I think that we don't have to get you know hopeless or anything like that. But I think that acknowledging some of the um, challenging things that we're going through, perhaps some of the corrupted systems that we may be a part of or that we may be witnessing, um, you know, some of the abuses of power perhaps also with, you know, world leaders potentially making decisions that uh, affect many people but could possibly be um, coming from a place of self-interest. and. I think that uh, I'm not one of those people and astrologers that is going to just tell you that everything is going to be fine all the time because that's just not life. That wouldn't be, I wouldn't be um, taking responsibility as an adult responsibility to give you what I perceive as truth. Uh, again, I don't want to make this just all doom and gloom. Um, but this, may, this, this weekly forecast may feel a little bit of heavy, heavy. It may feel a little heavy this week because there's just some heavy stuff going on in the sky. And I think that the healthiest thing is to acknowledge it and instead of repress it or um, I guess as my, my teacher, Achuta Bhava, likes to say, he doesn't want to whitewash these things. And, and I, I'm, I'm with him on that. Okay disclaimer out of the way <laughs> and if that's not your thing and you can't you don't want to you know if you want someone else who is going to tell you more more sunshine rainbow stuff you know it's okay you there are plenty of people out there that may have a different take on things um so yeah let's let's get down to brass tacks and I, hopefully i will still be able to give you the turnaround at the end okay like i I don't want to just give you the, the downside of it and not um, put it into context, so to speak, because I think that would be also a disservice and just fear-mongering. I don't want to be that either. So that out of the way, let's get down to, to dignities this week. Uh, the sun is moving through the second decan of Capricorn, where it is peregrine. Um, it is moving through the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees and through the face of Mars, uh, it is going to be changing decans or into an, uh, the last 10 degrees of the sign of Capricorn uh, tor uh, towards the end of the week, where it does have rulership by face, where it is kind of taking on the appearance of the sun. Uh, or, I'm sorry, where it is, it is in Saturn's domicile, but it's going to be taking on a, a solar appearance, right? It's going to have a little bit of power in that particular face. Um, so we'll talk about the Four of Pentacles, which is a, a very important for the third decan because we've got this Saturn, um, Pluto, Mercury stack up or pile up in this particular decan. So this is going to be a theme that we're going to be really working with. And in the Four of Pentacles, we're seeing a figure that is tight, uh, set, seated on a throne um, and is grasping very tightly to uh, his his material resource that he has in this case the pentacle, and we've 
witnessed over the progression of, of our exploration into Capricorn, uh, a figure in the two of pentacles trying to decide where to build, juggling things and, and figuring out where the best place to put down roots would be. In the third decan, we had people who were planning, like, right, we had a, a, an ornate blueprint that we were looking at where we were trying to figure out how to build the material structures that we want to build. And then in this particular decan, we're talking about administration. The sun, uh, it, it, according to Robert Schmidt, was about issuing commands and about authority, about um, the one, about, you know, the masculine type of energy of, of, of taking a leadership role. And I mean that just not necessarily gender wise, but just like about, you know, being more, uh, uh, instead of being receptive, being more active, the active principle. So this, this decan is about taking responsibility for the things that we've built and the things that we've crafted, the material reality that we've put into, uh, into manifestation. And it's not just the sun that's going to be hanging out there. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But this is kind of wherever we have a solar focus is a sort of where a lot of our attention is focused as well, as far as like our, the light of our mind, as far as where we're crafting our collective identities. That can be something where uh, when we see the sun moving through a particular area of the zodiac, we're going to feel this collective impulse towards it. So this may be something we're dealing with on the collective as well as how do we manage the resources that we've built up over a, period, a long period of time? Okay, so that's what the sun's doing. And we'll, we'll try to integrate all the things that we're looking at this week uh, with this decan. The, the other thing that we're looking at here is Saturn is moving through the third decan where it has rulership. It is in its own domicile. So Saturn is the, the ruler or the steward of Capricorn. And that continues to be true in the third decan. It is on its own terms uh, from 22 to 26 degrees, and it is in, of course, the face of the sun, as we just talked about. Very powerful Saturn here, and Saturn is getting uh, basically a, a jolt of super-powered energy from, from its conjunction with Pluto this week. And we'll talk about that as we move through the week and we focus on that in particular. I'm going to read you some passages from a few books one of which uh, is probably the, one of the, the best modern authorities on, on you know, longer-term cycles, which is called Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas. And there's some really poignant uh, examples in there that I think are, is worth just reading uh, an excerpt from. Uh, Jupiter is moving through the first decan of Capricorn still, where it is on its own terms from 7 to 14 degrees, and it still has rulership by face. So Jupiter is still, even though Jupiter is in the, the domicile of Saturn, it still is having the appearance of potentially bringing us some kind of growth, abundance, and expansion. But underneath the surface of that, uh, at, the, at its core, it's really through contraction. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Saturn, too, is the, the necessity of Saturn is all about, you know, breaking down structures, building walls between things. It's the concept of exclusion where we are, you know, figuring out who is on which side of the wall. I mean, there was, you know, we talk about building walls with, with Saturn and, you know, Capricorn was what is inside the wall and Aquarius is what is outside of the wall, the other sign that Saturn rules. 
you know, what is exiled, what is on the outside looking in. And we're going to have a shift this year uh, with Saturn moving into Aquarius and then a, a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the end of the year, which is really important for 2020 because it, it, it kicks off a whole new um, epoch, basically, a whole new uh, elemental cycle that only happens generally once every 200 years is when we have Saturn and Jupiter conjunctions happening in different elements. In, and in this case, it's going to be in the air signs. So we're seeing the end of the Earth era, basically, that started in the kind of around the Industrial Revolution, late 1800s. And we're seeing this, this beginning of a new air cycle where we may, you know, we're already feeling it. It's not like it's a, it's a you know... Uh, a clean line in the sand. Uh, we've been transitioning to this with the movement towards, um, you know, uploading our consciousness into things like the cloud. I mean, the internet, all of these things. And that's going to get even more pronounced as we move towards this Saturn Jupiter conjunction where, you know, instead of fighting over land and material resources and building up material things, uh, intellectual property and ideas may be the things that are the currency of the future. And you see this with the decentralization of currency as well with things like Bitcoin and, and blockchain technology. So this is a, yeah, this is a very much a bridge building year. And this is, we're going to see this being kicked off this week very intensely with these, um, with this eclipse and with the Saturn Pluto conjunction. Um, and change is not always easy. I think this is the thing that I want to put out there is that change, um, a lot of the times you have the powers that be that don't want the change and want to maintain power and they are will double down on trying to control whatever and or consolidate or hang on very tightly to whatever resource that they have. And they'll let it go uh, it'll have it pried from their cold dead hands, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> that's really one of the things that we're, I think that we may be witnessing on the collective right now is people in power trying to preserve that. And we can either choose as a collective to change um, peacefully, or sometimes it, there's violence involved with that. So um, of course, like anybody, I would hope for more peaceful transitions, but uh, I just don't know if that's always the case. Like part of the dichotomy of peace is violence. And, you know, we see this in nature. We see this, uh, you know, sometimes we, we are living within the duality of opposites. And uh, that's something that is going to be on our minds as we move forward into 2020. Okay, off my little digression there. Venus is going to be moving into the third decan of Aquarius. Okay, and I'm going to show you this card here. This is the Seven of Swords, where you see a figure that is uh, absconding away from a, a tent encampment with five swords. He's leaving two behind, and he's looking behind him, and maybe, I don't know, if we dive into his psyche, he's maybe, you know, thinking if he left anything or, you know, maybe reflecting on his experience there as he leaves. And there is definitely a quality of separation that we see with the um, separate deck or with this, the seven of swords and the, and the third decan of, of Aquarius, all of the Aquarian decans have to do with some sort of sense of exile. I think that Saturn can be very misunderstood in, in, I think in 
astrology in general, um, we think of, we had a discussion on this in, in one of the classes that I'm in with uh, Nightlight Astrology, of course, with the Chuta Bhava, formerly known as Adam Ellen Bass, uh, where we were talking about the nature of Saturn. And Saturn is the element of decay, right? It's the essence of, of separation and exclusion. This was something that we learned from Robert Schmidt was the, that exclusion quality, the, the, the darkness quality, the death quality, uh, the absence of the light is, of course, opposite to the sun. All of the domiciles of Saturn are opposite to the, both the, uh, the home signs of the sun and the moon, Cancer and Leo respectively opposite Capricorn and Saturn, which were ruled the Saturnian signs in traditional astrology. So we have this quality of like the, the exile, of leaving something behind, of leaving the known behind. Uh, and in this third decan, it's, well, let's, let's talk about the progression through Aquarius first, sorry. We have the, uh, some sort of defeat. I'm going to show you these cards again. Five of swords showed some sort of conflict and a defeat, and possibly some kind of embarrassment or something like that, where there was a victor and there was two losers. And you can see here in the five of, of swords that we have yeah, a figure that is perhaps uh, smugly won the battle and two defeated characters going off into the distance. In the second decan, we have somebody being ferried across uh, a river or, or some sort of transition uh, in, in some kind of sanctuary where we are leaving behind the known. We are trying to bridge the gap from the known to the unknown in the second decan. And here we are leaving that, that whatever we felt comfortable with behind, perhaps more permanently. Okay, Like we are... Uh, taking with us what is salvageable from that uh potentially from that conflict from the separation and maybe making a new start uh and with venus in this this decan um we may be trying to figure out what of value we need to take uh from our recent experiences and what is salvageable this is a, a venus that is not super comfortable uh, this is Venus, of course, is a harmonizer and wants to create togetherness, unity. It's part of the um, the nocturnal sect ruled by the moon, which is about bringing, you know, it could be about bringing things together, right? And uh, But here we have a Venus that is drawing upon resources from Saturn, which is, of course, the antithesis to bringing things together. Uh, so... Venus is peregrine in, in the third decan of Aquarius. It is in the terms of Mars from 20 to 25 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. This is another reason why we may have some trouble with Venus this week, uh, is because it is in the bounds or the terms of the two malefics. And anytime a planet is at the end of a sign, uh, it's going to be moving through a, a bound of the malefics where it, it has a tougher teacher, where the consequences 
for making a mistake or for not following the rules are potentially more severe. So there, we could see some separations this week that are intense. We could see some difficulty creating harmony. We could see uh, perhaps an attraction with Venus to things that are very outside of the norm, that are maybe in exile, that are maybe uh, something that are revolutionary or rebellious, that are, that are you know, not part of the status quo. So, so keep your eyes out for that as well. Mars is going to be moving through the first decade of Sagittarius uh, as it ingressed last week out of its home sign of Scorpio and into Jupiter's domain. Um, it is peregrine in that sign uh, and is also an aversion to its host, so that could potentially lead to some issues getting resources from Jupiter as well. Jupiter is in uh, its fall, so Jupiter is also weakened. There wasn't something that I saw from uh, from my teacher about uh, Jupiter being in the exaltation of Mars, which is is something that uh, I'm sure is borrowed from horary astrology. When you see when a planet is in its uh, the some other dignity of another planet, that can can mitigate some things, even if there's not an aspect between them. But I'm not completely sure about that. Um, I think my thoughts on it are that it is still difficult for Mars to get the types of resources that it needs because of that inability of it to see its host Jupiter and and in addition to its host being in a poor condition so keep that in mind um, Mars is moving through the term, terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees and it is in the face of Mercury so remember we, we saw the eight of wands associated with this face where we are moving quickly towards towards some sort of chosen goal uh, Mars in this sign is about um, potentially taking action on a belief system that we have, uh, maybe fighting or creating some sort of conflict over uh, a unified system that, we're in, adhere, that we are adhering to. Potentially, we could fall prey to dogmatic thinking with this and conflicts that arise from, from being a little bit dogmatic and, and being too, a little too attached to maybe glossing over some of the the um, opposing details to our ideology. And I don't know. I know, I know that, that when I first heard what was going on yesterday, <laughs> being the lunar child that I am and the moon being in Aries and making a, uh, <laughs> an inflammatory trine, I guess, to Mars, I, I did a little bit of rage posting on social media uh, where I was just upset. I was trying to process my feelings and I was talking about um, maybe some of the powers that be and, and you know, I, I sort of regret it, like the impulsivity of it at this point. At the same time, I, I, I feel like, um, yes, there's always two sides to every conversation, uh, but I think that I was channeling uh, some sadness as well as uh, anger, and it, it just really manifests in a lot of different ways. I mean, for those of us who are tuned in emotionally to the, I guess, to the collective and the zeitgeist, it's been a little bit of an overwhelming time in the last couple of weeks. And I'm usually not someone that really pays a whole lot of attention to the news. I mean, I pay attention, but I, I try not to get too wrapped up in it because I think if you live your life like that, it's very easy to get tossed and turned on the different waves of, uh, of the cycle when things are up and when things are down. You, you know, one of the things that we maybe are 
trying to to strive for and i guess i don't like that word because in, in the Tao de ching they don't want you to strive but one of the things that you're maybe trying to um just be with is maybe the center of the wheel where when you things are you know where chaos is going around you you're connecting with that center that is eternal and i try to to do that and i sort of lost my center a little bit yesterday because just feeling the overwhelm you know I, there's things that are important to me personally like um nature the environment peace between nations that's something that those are values that i hold i I enjoy seeing people get along and when i see things like you know nature uh suffering and animals dying and uh, world leaders you know potentially putting their own interests over the interests of the people that they serve that that is a, a a challenging thing to to process and you know i'd be, be curious to hear your the way that you're processing these things because i think that the way that we process it is being there for one another and uh talking about it maybe not feeling isolated i think that one of the things i've noticed um is such division that we have that has been you know propagated by the news and by politicians it's seeking to isolate us and when we get isolated that's when we feel afraid and we feel alone and i hope that i will make this a, a fairly safe space for all of you to share how you are feeling as we move towards some of uh a period of contraction and i know that the endings can be scary and i know that letting go of things can be scary but it's it's part of a, a bigger cycle and if you can kind of you know, realize that, that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Um, I think that can really be, be helpful to navigating these waters with grace. And part of that could be just having a conversation about it and expressing your frustration, expressing your feelings, acknowledging that, you know, it's okay to be scared. Uh, this is a, something that I've had to grow up with a little bit. I used to, whenever I was scared, I'd be like, oh, I'm not thinking positively enough. I'm not, you know, putting my attention towards what I want. And while I think that that is a, a, a good part of life to vision and to try to have some optimistic thoughts, I think it's doing the other part of yourself a disservice because we are all made up of light and dark. We're all the the yin and the yang and the the sun and the of course the the daytime and the nighttime, and if we just ignore things that are in the shadows, that's when they start to grow and get really ugly, and that's when they start to erupt like a volcano, and that's what we're seeing now. Things that we've ignored for a long period of time, corruption that we've ignored, erupting, needing to be dealt with. Okay. Lots of tangents today. Uh, but anyway, Mercury moving through the second and third decan of Capricorn. We talked about that being Peregrine. Uh, the moon is going to be waxing towards that full moon eclipse this week, uh, moving through Taurus and its exaltation and uh, where it has triplicity rulership in the evening. It is Peregrine in the sign of Gemini. Uh, it has domicile rulership and face rulership in the third decan of Cancer. Um, and then it will be peregrine and Leo. Um, but in general, the moon is gaining in power 
and waxing towards that very full moon, very important full moon eclipse. All right, let me show my screen here. Do, 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 do. I wish I had better news for you. I mean, the better news is that the Earth's been spinning for a really long time, and we've been through this before. And, you know, hopefully we'll learn from it and keep on, uh, keep on trucking, you know. Um, I think that one of the things that I've been really meditating on lately is that sometimes you have to be shown what you don't want before you really understand and appreciate what you do. And those are two sides of the same coin. This is another great thing that we talked about in class today was sort of the dichotomy of Venus and Mars, where there's a little bit of Mars and Venus and a little bit of Venus and in Mars, where uh, you have to understand what you what brings a feeling of separation and severing to really appreciate something and, and to find beauty in it. So uh, there's a, you know, there's a little bit of, um, there's the seed of war and peace and there's the seed of peace and war. And that's, I think that's something to really keep in mind. Um, a difficult concept, a difficult concept to really fully embrace as a human being, uh, depending on how you were raised or what your belief systems were. We, we tend to, we're, we were tended to get, be given a lot of very mm, polarizing narratives, uh, especially in the country I grew up in. Um, I think one of the greatest things that was challenging as I grew up was seeing beyond the veil of um, propaganda and, you know, learning that where I lived was not necessarily perfect and wasn't you know, the be all end all and had imperfections and that there were other countries in the world where people were probably doing just fine. And, and uh, that even that where I lived had some corruption that needed to be dealt with. And that was after when, when you're fed a certain narrative, and then you learn some of the, um, the truths behind it, it can be painful. Not to say that where I live is not a, uh, an okay place in some ways. Um, it's a wonderful place in a lot of ways. And I just, I don't know, I think that what we're moving towards with these uh, Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions and air signs is a hopefully moving away from a need to define ourselves with nationalistic boundaries and borders. Uh, I think that's what we're going to be seeing is it's a globalization of the world. And that comes with its advantages and disadvantages. Um, there's a there's a danger of homogenization and a lack of individuality. You know, remember the opposite of Aquarius is Leo, which is ruled by the sun and very individualistic type of quality. Um, and yeah, it could be painful if we're all being homogenized together and losing that sense of self. Those are some of the dangers of that transition. But there, there's also some beauty and equality where we're you know smashing the hierarchy basically, and, and you know hopefully you know, giving rights to the powerless and feeling more of a, a level playing field because really at this late stage capitalism that we're in, uh, there's a, a huge uh, gap in income and wealth and it's, it's, it's not equal and it's not fair. And we're seeing some of the consequences of that. And um, that's the reality of it. Uh, there's, 
I don't know. I don't know what, what to tell you if that's not something that you can accept that has happened. Uh, I don't know. Where, wherever side of that you fall on, things are about to change. Okay. Monday the 6th. Here we see uh, the moon starting off in Taurus. And it is in its waxing gibbous phase. And that gibbous moon was all about uh, building towards that full moon. So you can see here we are building towards the opposition from Capricorn to Cancer. Okay. And you can see the, the moon is gaining light. And this phase in the eightfold moon phase. Uh, was about refinement. This was we we had our first quarter moon last week where we came to a crisis point. Um, <laughs> the crisis point was Thursday and Friday uh, when you know um, we saw uh, the news of the you know basically the bushland on fire and uh, potentially an act of of war being committed. Uh, and an assassination. Um, so that was the crisis point. That was the first quarter moon. And now we are waxing towards the opposition uh, at the full moon eclipse. And in your own personal life, you may have gone through some sort of crisis of consciousness or something like that, or a physical crisis. Generally, the first quarter moons were about some sort of physical manifestation of the, of the challenge between uh, the where the solar light is and where the lunar light is manifesting and here we had that that conflict between aries and capricorn the the structures of our life and potentially the martial impulse okay and that was a square that we experienced there so in the beginning of the week now that has settled down a little bit uh but we are still heading towards some sort of um i guess i would call it a reckoning from the, the actions that were taken at the first quarter here. Uh, generally in our own lives, the moon, when it's in the gibbous phase, we are refining something towards a reveal at that full moon. Okay, so this could be a time of refining whatever is coming out into the open, uh, of, you know, seeing for, you know, searching for any flaws in the system so that when you are, are actually, when the thing comes to fruition, that it is as effective as it could be. So that's something we could be experiencing in the beginning of the week here. Uh, the lunar aspects for Monday, uh, and of course the moon is going to move into Gemini at 9, 10 p.m. So we have a little bit of an exalted moon in the beginning of Monday, and then it moves into its a peregrine phase in Gemini where it's going to lose some dignity. The moon's going to square Venus uh, very early in the morning. Okay, so you can see this with uh, 21 degrees Aquarius and then 21 degrees of Taurus, it's already passed in my chart here. And then the moon is going to trine both Saturn and Pluto towards the end of the day. So we have some sort of conflict that may spark uh, something with relationships in the beginning of the day, uh, or potentially on Sunday, where there may be some sort of challenge that happens between uh, a more collective experience and, and how we use our resources uh, with the, the Aquarius and the Taurus areas of our chart being activated uh, and then potentially some kind of uh, activation of this Saturn Pluto conjunction that we're 
already really feeling. Okay, we're, it's not like it's just with planets that move this slow, like Saturn and Pluto. It's not like we just like see one event that is going to, you know, be the, the, I don't know, just the tipping point or something like that. We may come to a tipping point, but since Saturn and Pluto move so slowly, this is a, a 30, I believe a 36 year cycle where these two planets come together. Last time they came together was in the early 80s. And it's just a buildup, right? And we may see the sun triggering this at 22 degrees, albeit by a trine. So in our own life, we may be experiencing something where uh, we are activating this Saturn-Pluto conjunction in a way that it is a little more flowing. Uh, we, we probably saw the activation of this in our own lives from Aries when they were still pretty close together Okay, uh, at the end of this last week. Okay, now we're going to see potentially a trine where the conversation is somewhat more harmonious. Uh, so see what happens with that in your life on Monday. On Tuesday, the 7th, we are going to see, hold on a second, let me move my screen here for you. On Tuesday, the 7th, we have a couple aspects. Uh, we have the sun making a sextile to Neptune at 16 degrees, okay, which is of the nature of Venus. So that is a harmonious conversation between the sun and Neptune. And then we have the uh, conjunction of the moon, uh, I'm sorry, the opposition with the moon to Mars. Okay. And a couple of things we can glean from Tuesday. Uh, potentially there's some kind of um, idealistic thinking that happens with the sun and, and Neptune being uh, coming together. Um, perhaps there is a spiritual perspective that, that comes out like with Neptune, we, there's a desire to transcend the physical reality, um, which can lead to a sense of a higher purpose. Uh, this can also lead to illusion. This can lead to a delusion where you are, have a, a potentially an inflated self image where you feel like you are a, a martyr of some kind of higher purpose. And this could affect the leaders in our life. Okay. With the sun, here involved, you know, the people who are our authority figures could be coming in contact with potentially illusionary thinking, deluded thinking. Um, this is a uh, sextile, so perhaps we could see maybe the, the, the brighter side of that, where potential, there's the potential to rise above some of the things that, that separate us with that as well. I hope that's more the case, but with this moon, uh, opposing Mars here, that is another wrench in the area of conflict where it would be very easy for us to get uh, attached to our, uh, our belief and to potentially take action on something that, is, uh, that, we're, that we are very fixated on and where we are trying to deal with the details Okay, the moon, Gemini, okay, moon in a Mercury ruled sign, and Mars in a Jupiter ruled sign. So we've got this conflict between Jupiter, which wants to bring everything into some sort of cohesive uh, whole, and Mercury, okay, or mercurial ruled houses, where there's, you know, seeing multiple perspectives, you know, being able to communicate and see divisions and categories within things, to be able to see diversity in things. 
Uh, so there's a, a conflict that could come up on Tuesday between the details and the whole and, and potentially wanting to take action with that. Um, so just be careful of that. Let's see what else we got here. Let's keep on rolling. Planets keep on spinning, right? Um, let's see. Okay, I'm going to move forward into to, uh, Wednesday here. Okay. All right, on Wednesday the 8th, we, are, we still have a moon in Gemini, and it is still in the waxing gibbous phase. The moon's going to make its square to Neptune. Okay. So that could be some sort of potential misunderstanding with details and fuzzy details, right? Where we're trying to bring something into manifestation. The moon, moon is the trigger point that's trying to bring things into being. And when the moon's in Gemini, a lot of times we're trying to bring in conversation. We're trying to bring in um, maybe some sort of idea into being. Uh, it, you know, it's in an air sign, so it's, it's not necessarily solidified. And that could run into that dissolving quality of Neptune. And that's, that could be some sort of challenge where we, our ideas get sort of convoluted. Um, we may not have the, the clarity of thought. Um, that happens very early in the morning on Wednesday the 8th. Uh, the, the next aspect that we have, or the other aspects that ha that's happening simultaneously, is Mercury is making a sextile to Neptune as well. And some of the similar themes that we had with um, the sun sextiling Neptune, we could talk about with Mercury as well. But this, in this case, uh, definitely would be associated with communication, with uh, commerce, with uh, diversity, with ideas that we have, uh, with the ability to um, craft an, uh, a coherent thought process or argument. Um, there may be discussions about, you know, the blueprint, right? With with Mercury in 16 degrees of Capricorn, that's Mercury trying to find new ideas on how to, you know, you could see this three of pentacles here where these people are trying to find some sort of cooperative plan that they can put into action. And it may be running headlong into this like desire to uh, to transcend it altogether and to, to merge things together. Remember, Pisces is a Jupiter ruled sign and Jupiter, what Jupiter wants is cohesion it wants things to to merge into some sort of like grand plan and this could be in a, a moment where we have this i guess we have we can get have this challenge from the moon where our communications may be a little bit difficult but we've got this nice sextile between mercury and neptune um so mixed bag right we may have some inspired ideas because it's a sextile. We may be able to bring something into harmony, but we, there may, all be, may be also be some difficulty with the square from the moon. This is really what we learn with astrology is, you know, it, it, there, it, there's lots of gray area. Sometimes when we have something really good happening, it, it alternatively is creating all sorts of challenges and issues that we have to work through. And same thing with when we have, what we experience subjectively as bad things happening, it's, it may be planting the seeds for, for other good things in our life. And those things may be happening concurrently rather than we can't, we have to resist the urge to, to make judgments on things in a very black and white fashion. Um, because a lot of the times the events in our life are just 
multifaceted. And I think that that's going to be something to really try to aspire to that multifaceted thought processes, especially with, with Mars moving through Sagittarius and with the, the, the difficulties that we may be facing as a collective. We have to be able to think uh, multivalently and recognize that there, especially with, the, I think, the potential for the rise in, in patriotism and black and white thinking and us versus them thinking from the actions that have been taken over the last week or so, and you know, just the lead up to this in general. Um, my, uh, my little, I guess, I don't know, you could call it soapbox, or my plea to you is to, to think of things from many different angles and perspectives. Um, what, I, what I see, and my, I guess my fear that I would hope would not, I know it's already happening, but I would, I would hope that those of you listening to me would be able to take a mature perspective on this. Is, um, when we saw the Pluto-Saturn uh, opposition, the last time we saw that was around 9-11, right? And that was when I believe Saturn was in Sagittarius. No, Pluto, Pluto was in Sagittarius and Saturn was in Gemini. And we had this really, you know, our country was really divided and we had a lot of fear and we had a lot of like demonizing a lot of innocent people. And I think that there's the potential for that to come about again. And I, I really hope that that is something that as a collective, we can rise above. And uh, yes, there may be some times where there we have to band together on one side or the other of something. Um, but you have to really know what you're actually fighting for. Um, I watched a movie this past week. Uh, I don't know, without spoilers, I went to go see Star Wars, right? And uh, before we went to see the, um, the Rise of Skywalker, the third in the series, we watched The Last Jedi again, and there was a character in The Last Jedi played by Benicio Del Toro, and he was a pickpocket, or like it was, he was a locksmith of some sort, and uh, I was really relating to that character because basically his messaging was, um, both of your sides are continually like uh, creating conflict, and he, his message was like, you know, you're both one and the same. Your rebellion and your empire are both kind of two, two, two of the two sides of the same coin, and you're constantly going back and forth. And some of you have done really horrible things in the name of your rebellion, and some of you have done really horrible things in the name of your empire. And take a good hard look in the mirror before you cast dispersions and point fingers. And I think that that's that's where I'm. Uh, what I'm trying to. Uh, how I want to deal with whatever is going to be happening in the next year or so is you just have to look at things from a very, like a multivalent perspective and try not to, you know, I don't know, try not to demonize, try not to demonize your neighbor too. Like that's the thing. Like that's what I hope too, is that as Americans, we can get off this kind of like, you know, trying to, you know, put everybody in a box and say, you know, you, you are this or you are that. and it's really a shame that we can't just like come together as a, as a, I don't know, as a community, as a global community, really. I mean, that's really, that's my, my hope that people can kind of get along with one another. 
But anyway, moving along, uh, the moon is going to be making a moon. Uh, the moon is going to be making a trine. Sorry. To Venus on this day. So even though we have some of these challenging aspects with the moon and Neptune, we are going to be seeing a nice aspect at 515 at 24 degrees between Gemini and, and Aquarius, uh, the moon to Venus here. Um, and that's really how we're going to end our day on Wednesday. You know, I, I, my thought process as I'm doing this is these lunar aspects are nice and stuff, but there's just so much like macrocosm stuff going on that some of it just doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> sorry to be like that, but just like, yeah, there's a lunar aspect, but man, there's some big, big stuff going on. And I, I guess that as I'm going through this and experiencing all my feelings about it, and I, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little off track today, it's just a lot to process. My brain is just like spinning with all the possibilities with this is that, uh, yeah, we do have to try to stay grounded and, and see what we're going to be doing within our daily lives and try not to get overwhelmed by the macrocosm things. Um, but I will say, this is, this is, we are living in history right now. The, the actions that are, are taking place within the next couple of weeks are, are very important. Not that the little things aren't important and they are all a part of a whole, but there are some moments in history where you see um, landmarks or land or landmines, I was going to say, but definitely signposts. And this is one of those times. All right, Thursday. Thursday the 9th. Okay, Thursday the 9th, we have two lunar aspects before the kind of big, big day on Friday. Uh, we have like this, you know, really this lead up where Friday and then again on Sunday, we have a ton of astrology. So this is just kind of the, the beginning lead up to all of that. Uh, we're going to have a sextile from the moon to Uranus, retrograde Uranus at 8.22 a.m. And then in opposition to Jupiter. Okay. Um, so this is where we're going to start to feel some of the full moon eclipse stuff. And I'm going to just skip over to the eclipse because we can talk about those other aspects within this context. Now I'm going to move directly to, the, uh, to Friday here and the hour of the eclipse here so you can see it on the screen. And this is gonna be happening about 20 degrees of Capricorn and Cancer, okay? So there we go. I'm gonna move it, I'm gonna to move to the exact moment of the eclipse, which happens at about 2.30 in the afternoon, okay? So there we go. About 2.21, 2.21 p.m. if you're on Eastern Standard Time. And here we see this big opposition between the moon and this giant pileup of stuff in Capricorn. Pluto, Saturn, Mercury, the Sun, Jupiter, the South Node. Oh my goodness, that is a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, uh, and, and there's so many themes are going to be wrapped up within this, this eclipse. And let's talk about just eclipses in general, okay? Eclipses happen when we have a, a lunation, whether it's a new moon or a full moon, very close to one of the nodes, okay? In this case, we have the moon very close to the north node and the sun somewhat close, but not super close to the south node here. 
Okay, so this is whenever we have an opposition between the sun and the moon and the nodes in play, that is a full moon lunar eclipse. So what's going to be happening is we're going to have the full moon and the sun is going to darken the moon. That is a lunar eclipse, okay? Because the, the, lo the lunar light is being shut off. So what can we divine from that? Well, we have uh, Rahu is very close to the moon and it is consuming the moon, right? So we have the, the uh, our emotional quality, our deeply seated things, uh, our uh, ability to bring things into manifestation to being shut off by the light of the sun by potentially by authority or, uh, you know, some sort of commanding presence by our rational, you know, intellect. So this may be a time when you are feeling um, potentially there could be clarity involved with this that is unusual because we are a lot of the things that may be holding us back like emotionally may be severed so we can actually see a, a more objective perspective on things now <laughs> what is being triggered though is this this saturn and pluto mercury stack up here um so many things going on in addition to this mercury is going to be kazemi which which means it's in the heart of the sun so this is a, a new uh, Mercury cycle, although I will say that from the, one of the authors that I study, uh, Demetra George, she likes to think of the inferior conjunction or the retrogrades, uh, uh, the retrograde of, the, of Mercury and Venus being the beginning of, this, of the solar cycle. And in this case, Mercury is direct. So What's happening is Mercury is basically, if I moved my chart, you'd see to the daytime, Mercury would be over here, and it would be earlier in zodiacal order to the sun. And it is moving in a conjunction from this direction, okay? And eventually it will come and it will join with the sun. And I like to think of this as like the full moon of the Mercury cycle. Now, the Mercury is still going to be going through the furnace of the sun. This is where Mercury may be um, very powerful for a particular moment in time. Mercury is going to be really strong at this eclipse because it's, it's basically in the heart of the sun. So there may be some sort of you know, communication that comes through at this eclipse that's very important that has this Saturn-Pluto south node-Jupiter <laughs> coloration to it. Uh, now, let's unpack that just a little bit, all right? So what do, what do we think about when we think about Saturn and when we think about Pluto? Well, Saturn is the concept of exclusion, of limitation, of breaking down um, structure. Uh, Pluto is something that is like a, a nuclear, uh, I don't know, a detonation of a nuclear bomb, so to speak. And I'm speaking metaphorically. Hopefully there's, there's no nuclear, literal nuclear action. Although that was a fear at the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction. This was the height of the Cold War where we lived in fear of nuclear annihilation. So this is, this is a, you know, a time in history where those same fears may start to, to bubble up again. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this opportunity to, to read you about a, a, a chapter. I'm going to read a, a few paragraphs in the, 
this book, Cosmos and Psyche, because I really think that it's, I don't want to separate all this stuff out because it's, it's happening so, so concurrently. We have the full moon that's triggering something and we have the Saturn-Pluto conjunction and the Mercury conjunction with the sun. All of it is all wrapped up in one particular thing. But remember, the moon is that, like, that trigger point. It's, it's just setting all this stuff off into action. And we really can't separate all these individual aspects out. We have to kind of see them as part of a whole. And let me, let me just read you a few paragraphs on this because Richard Tarnas, this is the book that I have, Cosmos and Psyche. And he did a very thorough uh, examination of history with outer planet cycles and, and seeing how history changed and wh what kind of things came up when we saw the, the, the different um, aspects between things like Pluto and Saturn and Uranus and Pluto and, and all those very slow moving generational planets. Okay, so I quote, this is on page 209 in a chapter called World Wars, Cold War, and September 11th. He says, we will now examine the planetary cycle of Pluto with Saturn, which in important respects bears a resemblance to the Uranus-Pluto cycle. The nature of this resemblance seems to reflect the activated presence of the archetypal principle associated with the planet Pluto in both cycles, both how the Pluto archetype is activated during Saturn-Pluto alignment periods, and conversely, what second archetypal principle is empowered and intensified by the Pluto archetype. And uh, he says, this presents an altogether different picture. While the Uranus-Pluto periods consistently coincided with widespread revolutionary upheaval, intensified emancipatory impulses, and radical cultural innovation, the successive quadrature alignments of Saturn-Pluto cycles coincided with especially challenging historical periods marked by a pervasive quality of intense contraction. Emphasis Richard Tarnas, but I will pause for additional emphasis. Contraction. This is really what we're looking at here. Eras of intentional crisis, international crisis and conflict, empowerment of reactionary forces and totalitarian impulses, organized violence and oppression, all sometimes marked by lasting traumatic effects. An atmosphere of gravity and tension tended to accompany these three to four year periods, as did a widespread sense of epochal closure, the end of an era, quote-unquote, the end of innocence, the destruction of an earlier mode of life that in retrospect may seem to have been marked by widespread indulgence, decadence, naivete, denial, and inflation. Profound transformation was the dominant theme, as with Uranus-Pluto cycle, but here the transformation was through contraction, conservative reaction, crisis, and termination. Both the First World War and Second World War began in precise coincidence with virtu virtually exact hard aspect alignments of Saturn and Pluto in August 1914 and September 1939, respectively. The most recent Saturn-Pluto alignment occurred in precise coincidence with the events of September 11, 2001, the destruction of the World Trade Center in New York, and the attack on the Pentagon in Washington, and the many events set in motion in its wake. In the first half of September 2001, Saturn and Pluto were within two degrees of exact opposition. In that same period, a full moon configuration of the sun in exact opposition to the moon formed a rare and extraordinarily precise grand cross with Saturn and Pluto. With the two oppositions, sun to moon and sun to Pluto, both 90 degrees square to one another. 
Many astrologers speculated both in print and in private about what might take place during this alignment, including the strong possibility of terrorism. Within moments of the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon on, and the Pentagon on September 11th, virtually every astrologer in the country knew that the forces symbolized by Saturn -Pluto the Saturn-Pluto alignment, an alignment that had coincided in the past with so many grim periods of historical crisis and contraction, had erupted. Okay. A lot to unpack there, right? I mean, he goes on. I mean, this is, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I want to, want to pause to just talk about contraction. This is at the, let's pick out a few things to digest the end of an era. Uh, let's see the end of innocence. Um, I see it like this. We're heading towards a change in the collective consciousness, an elemental change. We're moving away from earth. We're moving away from, from idealizing, uh, having a consolidation of, re of physical resources, earthly resources, of, owning, of ownership of land, of property, of, of you know, stuff, right? Like this four, four of pentacles. And we're moving towards a, a dispersion of that where there is, it is, you know, we're going to be living more in a, a collective consciousness of like uh, collective idealism where intellectual property is the new, the new property. I've been going through a, a, an existential crisis about intellectual property. I won't get into too much here, but I mean, I've been talking about doing a Patreon and one of my hangups with it and one of the delays I've had about it, and this was true when I was a musician too. I, I, I had a lot of thoughts about copyright and intellectual property. If you want an exploration of this, there's a movie um, that I really highly recommend. Um, oh man, I got to think of the, uh, it's called Remix, a manifesto. And it, it, it's about, uh, there's all, they talk about the Disney corporation. They talk about, there's this um, hip hop artist, like uh, electronic artist named Girl Talk that talks a lot about his use of copyright and rivalrous versus non-rivalrous goods and, and the future of, of intellectual property. And my, my challenge was I, I don't really um, believe, <laughs> I don't believe, I don't believe in paywalls. You know, I like, I really, I have a distaste for paywalls. Uh, I, I don't like making information exclusive. That's something that I've really, I, with my music too, I made my music free to download with the ability of people to donate. Um, and I sold my CD, which was a rivalrous good, which was of a limited quality uh, at my gigs and things like that. So there's a difference between um, goods, and I'll be, I promise I'll be brief with this, that you don't necessarily lose anything by more people having access to it, like a lecture, okay? Whereas if you had a physical proper, uh, uh, commodity, there's no limited supply of that, and you that that is something where charging money for that is is appropriate because it costs money to make it. Not that it doesn't cost money to make these videos. I put a lot of time into these, but the more people that watch my video, uh, it's not going to cost me any more if I have a, a million followers or a million viewers rather than a hundred. And there's some really significant arguments to be made about giving, just giving access. And then if you have a certain percentage of your audience that will be able to support you, let's say you have 10% uh, of a million people is probably better than just having 500 or 5,000 people 
behind a paywall and only they get access to it. And something really kicking around because I just feel pretty strongly about that. And this is the reason I haven't started one of those accounts yet because I really don't want to restrict access to my material. And we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks and months ahead. But that's one example of the shift that we're experiencing to from physical goods to intellectual property. And this is what we're going to see come on, coming up more and more and more as we move towards the, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the end of 2020, which happens around the, the winter solstice of this year. We're going to get little tastes of it here and there as Saturn moves into Aquarius in, in I believe, in end of March and then retrogrades back out of it. But this is really, I, I, what I see with this Saturn-Pluto is the eruption of corruption and everything that, that we had repressed Pluto into the underworld about how we handle physical resources, hierarchy, and structure and it being acted upon by Saturn, a dissolving quality. So we're seeing all this power bubbling up from the underworld like a volcano. And this is, you know, Pluto has the quality of like supercharging things. So we can also see this, and, and Tarnas talks about this as well, as Pluto acting upon Saturn and kind of supercharging all of the Saturnian qualities of limit of putting things behind a wall, a paywall, right? Or a literal wall, as we've seen our, our president want to do in our country. And creating these divisions and say, you know, we are inside of this wall and everything outside of it is bad, is in exile, right? We're seeing us versus them. And I think that really, as we move forward, this is the last gasp of that energy. And I hope. I hope that we can transition into this more egalitarian reality that is coming either way, more peacefully, rather than seeing those that don't want change or that are like, this is the conservative backlash that we're seeing, that people who, are, who resist change are doubling down right now and trying to, with their last gasp of Plutonian energy, trying to hold on to something that is impossible to hold on to. Life is cyclical. We live in a world of seasons. We live in a world of birth and death. We cannot have unlimited periods of material growth without it's opposing contraction and decay. And the mistake that we, I think, are, are making is thinking that we can have these unlimited cycles of growth without the rubber band snapping back. And guess what rubber band is snapping back right now? Mother Earth is snapping back right now. Mother Earth is saying... It's a little too hot in here. The purge has begun. And I've said this a number of times to many friends that I've talked with about this. The environmental movement is somewhat misguided because what they think is save, save the world. Well, guess what? The world's going to be fine. 
what this is about is save humanity and save the things that live on the earth because the earth is an organism and the earth is going to self-correct. And if we don't want to be self-corrected, we need to make a change and we need to stop resisting the changes that are, that are apparent. Or we will be self-corrected. We'll be burned or flooded off of the face of the earth. I mean, this is really, I don't know how many more, how much more evidence people need than to see an entire continent on fire. Or seeing entire parts of a continent underwater. Wake up. Be willing to let go. I think that's the really the key. It's going to take massive change on a massive scale. It's going to suck for a while. Change is hard. But guess what? Saturn up. Saturn up and get in touch with the necessity of change for your own and for our collective survival. I mean, that's it. That's, this, is, this is Greta Thunberg's message. Thunberg, Thunberg, how do you say it? I don't know. Her message is Saturn up. You've been living in decadence for a long period of time, unrealistically. It's time to, it's time to recede. It is, I have, one of my favorite songs is by Tears for Fears. It's called Break It Down Again. And it goes, break it down again. No more sleepy dreaming. No more building up. It is time to recede, right? It's all about the beauty of decay. He says it in the song. It's the beauty of decay. Don't fear it. Don't fear the decay. It's a part of life. It helps you appreciate the cycles of growth. And I don't know what's going to happen next because on an individual level, I mean, my mistake on social media was like, <laughs> this is really like didactic posts like sell your car shut off your air conditioner you know like get ready for the contraction of life <laughs> and i realized I'm like what a hypocrite i am i have a car you know i live in a third or a first a third a first world country where i have electricity and all these things and uh it's it's gonna need to be on a collective scale yes some doing some of those conservative conservation type things is important but it's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be like, it's got to happen on a collective scale. And we have to band together to figure it out, I think is really the message. All this like false separation stuff is really distracting from the, big, the bigger issue, which is the earth is going to eliminate us if we don't let go of these ridiculous nationalistic conflicts and team up with one another. And, and that's going to be very important as we move forward into the new decade. That's what I got for that. Now, on Friday, Uranus, the revolutionary planet, the Promethean planet, is going to be stationing direct at two degrees of Taurus. It is going to be, we may feel like all of the changes that we've been practicing with the retrograde or reviewing. It's time to put them into action. It's time to put the rubber to the road. It's in the Taurus house of your chart. The old way isn't going to work anymore. You've been given your reprieve. It's time to start the new. 
it's time to break down what no longer serves you and let it go and be innovative in the way that you do things in that area of your life. Or it will just be removed for you. Like, like the earth is an organism, that area of your life will, will cease to function in the old way. I got some friendly advice for you. It's a lot less suffering if you go with it rather than resist it. We can never escape pain in our lives, but we can choose not to suffer by tensing up and resisting. That we, we allow, when we relax into changes, that's when we handle them, I think, gracefully. Okay. The weekend. Let's just take a look at this. Whew. Can you tell Mars is in Sagittarius? <laughs> it's making an opposition to my own Venus. So, <laughs> you know, I don't often take like, I don't know. I don't often take like really strong positions on things. Um, I, I like to be able to hear multiple perspectives on stuff. And I, I like to be able to, you know, I don't know, see, see the, the, the diversity in, in, in viewpoints. But I feel really strongly about this one. I feel, I feel really strongly about the symbols that I've been seeing and, and the, just the, the truth of, of the reality of the matter is that we're, we're in trouble as a, as a collective right now. And we really need to come together to find some really innovative solutions. I really think that's the, you know, what the call to action is right now is how do we innovate as a species right now to, to save ourselves and to, you know, figure out how to, to live uh, together on this planet before we can't anymore, you know? All right. Saturday, the 11th. Let me move my chart forward. There's going to be a square from the from newly uh, a newly direct Uranus and Taurus to the Moon in Leo, so there may be some challenge to our new our new way of being, our new you know uh, decision to like do things in a different a different way, and it may be some sort of ego conflict with the Moon moving through through Leo and the way that we assert our our personality or our authority. So watch out for that, 10.20 a.m. Of course, the moon is, has moved into Leo at 7.16 a.m. The moon in Leo is then going to be making a trine to Mars and Sagittarius in the evening at 4.53 p.m. You can see that here. So that may allow us to take some positive action towards our chosen, our chosen goal and our chosen target. On Sunday, uh, the 12th, I mean, this is really when we see the big, the big buildup, right? We have two two points that are important we have the full moon eclipse and then we usually after the first you know first couple of days after the eclipse we see the the uh, reveal you know it doesn't always happen right on the on the eclipse we we have a couple of days of re revelation that are happening and of course the big thing that we're seeing here is this big stack up with mercury saturn and pluto that we just have been discussing uh for a long period of time i'm going to read you another passage in here because I just think this is such a good book. It says, the vivid complex of qualities, emotions, and meanings connected with those grave events, the beginning of two world wars, September 11th and its aftermath, and many other such events during periods of Saturn-Pluto alignments, fits with remarkable precision of the synthesis of archetypal principles associated with the two planets in combination. Expressed in their most extreme form, both negatively and positively, profound weighty events of enduring consequence 
violence and death on a massive scale, and irre irrevocable termination of an established order of existence, collective intensification of division, antagonism, and hostility, the deployment of massive, highly disciplined, carefully organized destructive power, and a widespread sense of victimization and suffering under the impact of cataclysmic and oppressive forces of history. Eek. More generally, this archetypal complex tended to constellate a wide sense that one's life was determined and constrained by large impersonal forces of many kinds. Historical, political, military, social, economic, judicial, biological, elemental, instinctual, too powerful and dominant to be affected by the individual self. That's important because that's really kind of the vibe I'm feeling today. Um, this sense of vulnerability and in turn regularly matched by a drive for power, control, and domination. Sometimes the two sides of this larger gestalt uh, were constellated simultaneously in two opposing persons or groups, one predatory, the other victimized. Yet just as often the two sides were constellated simultaneously within the same person, group, or nation, each part of the complex unconsciously eliciting the other. Experiences of deep humiliation caused by violence, violation, and defeat were thus often accompanied by a compensatory need to prove one's steely strength, invulnerability, and the capacity to retaliate with lethal potency. I, I really, I've, I've pinpointed that particular paragraph after the events of Thursday night and Friday morning, because, and I'll repeat it, because I feel like at, at the point in history that we're at with our leadership in America, we have a leader that has been embarrassed. Uh, experiencing deep humiliation with his articles of impeachment, if, if he's able to, to feel that. And we saw a retaliatory, some would say, distracting uh, military strike on the leader of another nation, potentially to distract from what is going on here at home. I'm going to repeat this. Experiences of deep humiliation caused by violence, violation, and defeat were thus often accompanied by a compensatory need to prove one's steely strength, invulnerability, and capacity to retaliate with lethal potency. <sighs> okay. Enough Tarnas. Awesome author. Really has dived into the depths of this. I would really recommend this book if you want to get in touch with these greater cycles. Now, the turnaround. How do we process all this? Because on the surface, it sounds pretty scary. And part of the essence of this uh, cycle is fear. And I think that one of the things that we have to be willing to do is to accept the fear, live with it a little bit, respect the fear. Okay, I think that's another thing. I think we, we try to like, you know, gloss it over with these like positive thoughts all the time. I think fear plays its, its function just like anything else. Sometimes in nature, fear can cause an animal to go to safety or to run to safety, keeping it alive. Uh, so there may be something where we are experiencing uh, some fear that, that really uh, makes us take an action that we normally would not have taken. Uh, and sometimes for the for the better and sometimes for the worse. So we have to really determine and try to be as objective as we can to see if the actions that we're taking are supporting uh, our security or our safety or moving us forward, or if they're just um, actions that are going to put us in greater danger. 
so th those are the themes we're going to be discussing over the coming year. Uh, again, the, what I can leave you with, with this Saturn-Pluto conjunction, it's happened before. Uh, just as the winter comes, so does the spring. And the planets keep on spinning. This may be the ending of some of the corruption. And there will be a counterbalancing to whatever is put into place right now. There always is. Whenever we see like things like fascist movements and, and abuses of power, we see revolutionary people rising up to meet it. And we may experience that too. And you may be part of that. You may be part of the oppressive system. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you may not think that you are, uh, but we all think that we're the hero at the end of the day, even when we're committing atrocities. And I think that's something that I would really encourage you to examine. Um, and that was the message of Benicio del Toro in The Last Jedi, is we all, we all consider ourselves the hero in our own story. And it really takes a lot of maturity and effort and clarity to really self-examine. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. Before you take up arms or fire, fire off an <laughs> inflammatory Facebook or Twitter post, uh, take a good look in the mirror and see what your role is in all of this and how you can be part of the change that needs to happen and what you need to do to uh, bring that into being and what your role is in it and what your role has been in the past as well. It's, it's a great time to reflect too. And I think that it's, first of all, a lot of times we think that we need things and then when we finally are free of them, it's a liberation. And I think that I have learned over the course of my life to live with less. And I think that it's, there is some definitely a liberating quality when you're not feeling the weight of everything that you think that you need. Uh, you know, there is definitely like a, a, a sense of relief that happens after a rainstorm. You know what we're experiencing now? We're experiencing the big dark clouds. Eventually the rain will come and we'll feel a sense of relief. It may not happen for a little while. And we may need to band together to feel and support one another through a difficult time. Uh, I wish I had this quote handy word for word, but I, I believe that uh, I will quote Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings when Frodo comes up to him. This is my approximation of that. Frodo's like, you know, I don't want to go to Mordor. I don't want to go to war. I don't want to leave the Shire. And Gandalf basically tells him, you know, we don't always get to choose the times that we live in. We don't always get to choose the circumstances of our life, but we choose who, who we are and, and who we want to be within them. And I think that that's, that's what I encourage you to do this week in particular, is who do you want to be within the circumstance? Maybe you didn't choose it. And this could be in your personal life too, because as above, so below, as within, so without, as collectively, so personally. 
you may be going through your own big revolution. And you may not have chosen it. So who do you want to be? And what do you want your legacy to be, whether with your family or with history? And that's what I've got. And I hope that if you are feeling afraid, reach out. You don't have to go through all of it alone. Leave a comment below. I know I talked a lot about a lot of heavy stuff today. You know, reach out if you, you know, are feeling upset or if you need some extra support and, you know, I'll do my best to, to respond and we'll all do our best to respond and support one another because I think that's what this time calls for is a little bit of uh, uni unity within the collective division. All right. That's what I've got today. Um, thank you for, for listening. If you made it this far, <laughs> I really appreciate all of you and I appreciate you as a community and, you know, not to bang the drum at a weird time, but if you do feel like supporting the videos, there are donation links there. Uh, I, I'm going to try to keep these videos um, available to everyone. And one way that you can help support that is through little donations. Um, yeah, we'll get through it together and uh, appreciate your support and, you know, keep on trucking. I think that uh, this too shall pass. So with that, I will see you the next time. Take care, everybody.